Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. I am your host, Doris Hansen. We do hope that you enjoy the information that we have planned for our discussion tonight. But first of all, I need to mention that there's an event taking place this weekend, especially to benefit our ministry to polygamists, and it's being held in St. George, Utah. It's going to be uh, a huge yard sale, uh, sale, and it's going to be on the corner of Telegraph Road and the Texas Roadhouse. I'm told that everybody in that area knows where that is. And it's going to be from 8 a.m. until noon. That's day after tomorrow, the 13th. And for more information, you can call 435-313-5792. That's 435-313-5792. And we'd like a special thanks to SMCC, uh, the Springs Church of St. George, and to Corrine, who did most of the hard work to put this event together and even came up with the idea. And also, we would like to thank Town Storage in St. George, who donated space for them to use for this event. So you can support, support our ministry by going to Polygamous, by going to that special yard sale Saturday, day after tomorrow, 8 a.m. to noon, and the, all the proceeds will be donated to a shield and refuge ministry. My opening comment on the show tonight about the three possible sources of revelations came from none other than the mouth of Joseph Smith. The context of the quote was the perplexity over Joseph Smith's so-called revelation to go to Toronto, Canada to sell the copyright to the Book of Mormon. And so they went there and it didn't sell. And they were shocked. The, the, the Joseph Smith's disciples were shocked because that revelation failed, that jo, the one that Joseph Smith had given about that. So David Whitmer, who was one of the three witnesses, wrote this information. And he said, and we're going to put it on the screen. He said, well, we were all in great trouble, and we asked Joseph how it was that he had received a revelation from the Lord for some brethren to go to Toronto and sell the copyright. And the brethren had uttered failed in their undertaking. Joseph did not know how it was, so he inquired of the Lord about it. And behold, the following revelation came through the stone. Some revelations are of God, some revelations are of man, and some revelations are of the devil. Smith concluded by saying, when a man inquires of the Lord concerning a matter, if he is deceived by his own carnal desires and is in error, he will receive an answer according to his erring heart but it will not be a revelation from the Lord. This was written in All Believers, to, uh, All Believers in Christ, written by David Whitmer in 1887. So our question is, how can anyone ever trust anything that Joseph Smith ever said? How would you know where the revelation came from? By the way, that incident in and all of itself proves that Joseph Smith was a false prophet. No true prophet of God would ever give a revelation that came from the devil, and he certainly would know the difference. And, of course, a true prophet of God never gives a false revelation. So we ask our viewers, 
which of Joseph Smith's revelations came from God? Which of them came from himself and which of them came from the devil? Well, we can positively identify at least three that did not come from God. And to name a couple of them, the first one is that the devil and Jesus are brothers. They're not brothers. That didn't come from God. And the second one is that God ever commanded polygamy. That certainly didn't come from God. And there's a third one that we're going to discuss tonight, one that we know didn't come from God. And that is by Joseph Smith's own admission, uh, either was from himself or was from the devil. Um, and that is that, uh, that God cursed, because of sin, that God cursed some human beings with dark skin, namely the blacks and the Native Americans, which the Book of Mormon calls lame. In August, we had as our special guest Carl Moore. He was a former, is a former Mormon who lived in the spotlight of being a Book of Mormon Lamanite. On his first visit to our show, we ran out of talking time, and so we were unable to finish our discussion about uh, the alleged Lamanites relative to historical Mormon and Book of Mormon teachings. Well, Carl is back tonight because we wanted to finish our discussion because we had a lot of people call in and comment that they would love to have him back. So he's here tonight to finish our discussion. I would like to introduce again and welcome back Carl Moore. Thank you. Thank you for coming. My pleasure, sure. <laughs> no, when you were on last time, you did that dance, the, the Hopi dance, and it was, yeah. it was so impressive. People just love that dance and the music that, that you put. You're going to be doing that again to, next Tuesday night? Correct. I'm going to be doing it uh, in Provo at the First Baptist Church building. Um, it's uh, Tuesday the 16th at 6 p.m. Um, uh, they have an outreach program that they have going on down there. And uh, I'm going to be doing two dances. I'm going to be doing a hoop dance to 10,000 Reasons. Mm. And I'm going to be doing uh, the traditional dance where I'll be wearing this bustle mm. um, wow. to uh, how deep the Father's love for us. Oh. And then uh, in, the, in between, I'm going to have my wife talk. So it'll be good to go to if you that's can if you can make good. it there. Uh, that's going to be good. And so that's going to be next Tuesday night, October 16th at 6 p.m. Um, at the First Baptist Church in Provo. And the information, the email is way61 at hotmail.com or you can call 801-374-8489 for more information. So that will be a good a good time to no, I'm share. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be a good opportunity for anybody to watch. It's not going to be... Um, it's not going to be anything that's really down your throat, anti-LDS, anything. Anti it's not anti-more. Yeah, it's just pro-God. Pro-Jesus. Pro, God, pro, Jesus, pro uh, what the gospel is. <laughs> that's right. Now, we ask our viewers tonight um, to please remember that the polygamists also believe in the Book of Mormon and in, in the canon of the regular, what the regular Mormons believe, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price, and also that the Book of Mormon does contain, contain a lot of prejudicial doctrinal statements about dark-skinned people. And so the show tonight is relevant to what polygamists believe. Now, we always get a barrage of people, oh, you didn't talk about polygamy. Well, we talk to polygamists. We try to, to explain to them why they don't have to follow the polygamy 
doctrine because of various reasons that that we can prove that the scriptures and the, the, the so-called command from God isn't real. It, it didn't come about. And so that certainly is true tonight. Yes, eternal life comes only through Jesus Christ and it doesn't come through polygamy or the Mormon church or Joseph Smith. They have nothing to do with it. So Carl, last time when, when we finished, um, we had discussed the positive side of your being um, a Lamanite in mm -hmm. the, a member of the Mormon Church. You were a member of the Mormon. How long were you a member? Oh, a member. I'd have to do some math. But uh, so uh, 34, 34 years old when uh, God opened my eyes. So an actual member since I was 8 to 34. Oh, okay. So 25 plus years you were a member of the LDS church and you yeah. and you and so you were a Lamanite and you oh, talked yeah. about how you you enjoyed that. Oh, but yeah. but we we were not able to finish the negative side. You talked the uh -huh. positive side last time. Let's talk about the negative side of being a Lamanite that you experienced under the Book of Mormon teachings and we're going to be using several Book of Mormon verses that speak to the dark skin uh, as being a result of bad behavior. Mm -hmm. So what was your experience, the, the negative connotation of being a Lamanite in the Mormon church? Uh, the, the negative part of it, I, I mean, I didn't really uh, allow the negatives to, to come into me or I didn't, I, I wasn't worried about the negatives because there's all these positives. And I, as a person, I was focused on the positives because you never want to think anything negative about yourself, and that's what we do. Right, right. We just look at the positives. But the negatives are, um, when anybody looks at it and examines it for what it is, it is a curse, mm -hmm. and there's no way around it. And uh, to be cursed, you did something wrong. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, even though uh, people... Um, would comment about uh, Lamanites and how they were and spiritual they were and they liked the way that they were uh, emotional when they, you know, pronounced their testimonies and things like that. It was really a negative and uh, it, it was an underlying fact that they were less, um, less than a, a white person was. Mm -hmm. um, that just, it just has to be um, so. by, by doctrine, but you said last time that you really weren't, you didn't feel that way, and you weren't treated mm -hmm. that way. You were treated very well, and I was. Uh, I mean, but everyone treats everybody good to their face, anyway. Yeah. So I really wouldn't know what went on, kind but, of behind and in, in, in the in the the back of people's minds. I don't know why they wouldn't think or feel sorry for um, a Lamanite. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I had I had comments um, when I, I again I, I danced a lot of places, and I had comments of people kind of reassuring me. Uh, about things reassuring me that I would, um, that it was okay that I was Lamanite and things like that. So that, you know? that's a little condescending, it, it, isn't it? It really is. There was a lot of condescending remarks that I that I got that um, I really didn't take them. They take them to heart at that time. Well, let's read a couple of uh, of our uh, texts that we have here. The first one's in Alma chapter three, uh, verses six, and then verses eight and nine. Do you want to read that, or do you want me to read that? Uh, I'll, I'll read it. Okay. Um, and the skins of the Lamanites were dark, according to the mark which was set upon their fathers, which was a curse upon them because of their transgression. And this was done that their seed might be distinguished from the seed of their brethren. Uh, and it came to pass that whosoever did mingle his seed with that of the Lamanites did bring that, the same curse upon his seed. 
Now we're going to talk about that a little bit later when we get into Lamanite polygamy as well. But this is this is a good example of of how it specifically says the Lamanites are cursed. They're walking around with darker skin because they're cursed. Right, and uh, and now. Um, a lot of LDS people, Mormons, will say, well, it's not a curse, so they didn't mean actual skin color. It was just dark in, in your demeanor or things like that. But it's absolutely skin, it's dark, skin. dark, that's dark skin. <laughs> Numerous it times it is, it is dark skin. Um, and this was the mark. And I think uh, Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, I mean, this whole mark thing, um, this goes back to Cain, where they pronounced that um, Cain was marked with a black skin. Mm-hmm. And they were using that same uh, that that same mark uh, with with Lamanites, um, but you know something that's awesome as I've come to know Christ and I've come to know the true gospel and what the scriptures really say. I, I mean, almost everything that I read is opposite from what Mormons teach. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing is, you know, that mark which they said was a black skin, which. You know, and the Bible never says it's a black skin. It right. just says a mark. Uh-huh. And that mark was actually done in as uh, mercy from God. God was merciful to Cain because Cain right. was afraid. He said, well, now they're going to want to slay me, uh-huh. you know, because of what I've done. Uh, and so God put that mark, which never was a black mark, right. per se. Right. Um, he put that upon him. So that was merciful. It was a mercy. But in the Lamanite case, it, it wasn't merciful. It was... It was ugliness. It was filthiness. It was filthy it was and loathsome. A, it was a mark. Yeah, it, it was a mark, and we'll probably read some more scriptures that mm-hmm. was to so that we wouldn't be, be um, uh, that we wouldn't be desirable, that people wouldn't want to mingle with our seeds, right. so that we could be segregated because it was so dangerous to, to interracial interracial or interfaith. Probably, you know, if you really want to go down to interfaith marriages. Um, yeah, they were so very, much against, very much against that. Correct. Well, the next verse, actually, First Nephi 12, verses 22 through 23, uh, Nephi sees a vision, and he's conversing with an angel, and he said, uh, quote, And the angel said unto me, Behold, these shall dwindle in unbelief. And it came to pass that I beheld, after they had dwindled in unbelief, they became a dark and loathsome and a filthy people full of idleness and all manner of abominations. And this is a direct uh, talking about the Lamanites. And by the way, for those who maybe not be familiar with, the Lamanites in the Book of Mormon are the Native Americans of our country. Yeah. Right, in case you might not be familiar right. with and, that term. And the Pacific Islanders uh, in, in Mormon right. the- right. mythology. <laughs> mythology, uh, that's good. Um, it, <laughs> they, uh, they believe that the, the Pacific Islanders came from um, Hagoth, who uh, built a ship and he left and and you know growing up Lamanite and dancing a lot with Polynesians you know we we uh, we talk about this a lot that we're brothers mm-hmm. and, and oh well we just left and and there's a lot of things uh, people's histories where they try and connect us um, mm-hmm. together and, and we might be connected but it, it definitely didn't come from but not the United the way, States but not to the, way the, Book of the Pacific Mormon Island about it right uh, right um, and then, of course, in Third Nephi chapter two, verses fifteen and sixteen, it says, talking about the future, their curse was taken from them. Their curse became white like a, to the Nephites, and their young men and their daughters became exceedingly fair. So your skin color can change, obviously, according yeah. to your goodness or badness. Yeah, and I I love that that verse because uh, um, 
it, it actually says that it can can happen and it did happen so again you know why didn't it happen now again yeah. you know my family all LDS why aren't they why aren't their skins why aren't they, why isn't their color changing yeah. I mean there's as good Mormons as anyone else um, why doesn't their color change and yeah. um, nowadays people will look at that and say well it's not really a curse but it is still a it's still curse. in their books it, it still is um, there's no there's no way around it uh, the problem with LDS Mormon people is um, they don't examine things mm -mm. if they would examine just what their doctrine says what their Book of Mormon says um, they could they could find things out for themselves mm -hmm. but they grow up they most of them grow up being LDS and that's just the way it was and, and that's the way their parents taught true them with and the polygamy group the same way they grow up believing what their parents taught them and they can't conceive that it would be any other way without and they don't check it out they don't investigate right and God's God can't uh, he doesn't expect blind faith he, he absolutely doesn't expect blind faith and he can stand up to criticism and he, he has stood up to criticism and his mm -hmm. Bible mm -hmm. has stood up to criticism right. um, there's nothing to be scared of in, in investigating, investigating things right. well nothing let's talk about Lamanite okay. polygamy uh -huh. now there, there was a lot of that at least a lot of talk about it in the early days of the Mormon church and uh, Jacob 3.5 is uh, one of the um, verses in the Book of Mormon where it talks about one of the wicked deeds that they were doing, that the Nephites were doing. Do you want to take that verse? Yeah, Jacob 3, 5. So it says, Behold, the Lamanites, your brethren, whom ye hate, because of their filthiness and the cursing which hath come upon their skins, are more righteous than you. For they have not forgotten the commandment of the Lord, which was given unto our Father, that they should have saved it were one wife, and concubines they should have none, and there should not be whoredoms committed among them. Now they're talking to the Nephites here. So the Nephites were committing these whoredoms. They were committing these sins, and the Lamanites evidently weren't. And so they were more righteous than the Nephites because they weren't practicing polygamy. Isn't that kind of an odd switch? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Everything's confusing in this in this <laughs> it is. You, in this you, realm. You try to you try to kind of go through the maze yeah. and you get you find. Yeah. Yeah, let me let me just make this uh, comment if I can because uh, this is interesting that the wording if you uh, as a as a Bible believer as a Christian believing in the Bible when we go to Sunday schools we read the Bible and we examine what the word says and we look at it word for word and examine this these things so. Um, you know, when I read the Book of Mormon, that's what I do automatically. I'm looking and I'm examining all these words and the choice of words that people are making. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it pops out to me that he says, Behold the Lamanites, whom your brethren, whom ye hate, because they hate them because of their filthiness and their cursing, cursing which hath come upon their skins. So, I mean, it just seems uh, backwards, they were hating backwards the, to me. They were hating the Lamanites because of their dark skin. Because of their skin. skin. Yeah. Right. Prejudice. Prejudicial. It, it, Exactly right. And, you know, this one wife and concubines, they should have none. I mean, this comes from the Bible. Um, this, this is where the Book of Mormon has a lot of things from the Bible that are right. But, <laughs> but they've applied it wrong, so that makes it wrong the way they use it. 
Uh, the next verse it, we've already read, and that was Alma uh, chapter 3, verses 6, 8, and 9. And we're going to read that under the concept of part of the teaching in the early Mormon church about Lamanites and polygamy, uh, where it said that the la skins of the Lamanites were dark, according to the mark, uh, and it was a curse upon them because of their transgression and their rebellion against their brethren, who consisted of Nephi, Jacob, Joseph, and Sam, these are all mythological characters, who were just and holy men. And this was done that their seed may be distinguished from the seed of their brethren, that thereby the Lord God might preserve his people, that they might not mix and believe in incorrect traditions, which would prove their destruction. Verse 9, And it came to pass that whosoever did mingle his seed with that of the Lamanites did bring the same curse upon his seed. Whoa, that's, that's kind of a, a hurtful uh, set of verses there. So whoever's intermarrying with the Lamanites and having children with them are under a curse. Yeah. But Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and others began encouraging them to marry the Lamanites to help God make them white and delightsome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say to that. It's, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Everything to me is so obvious now. It's it's incredible. Um, but, but that's in, in the early. I don't know how much how much you've read about the how the the early Mormons were trying to get their what? people to marry the Lamanites yeah. and to take their squaws for their wives. And they had to. Some of them had to practice polygamy to do it. Mm -hmm. And they were going to help him along. Ezra Booth, uh, he's uh, in 1831. He joined the church, and he be he was ordained a high priest in June of 1831. And he said this um, in the Ohio Star: "It has been made known by revelation, by revelation, mm -hmm. that it will be pleasing to the Lord should they form a matrimonial alliance with the natives. It has been made known to one who has left a wife in the state of New York that he is entirely free from his wife." And he is at liberty to take him a wife from among the Lamanites. Mm -hmm. This uh, this whole alliance thing, you know, it's my view that this polygamy came about because of alliances and because of trust issues, and and uh, so people would trust trust each other and and be tied to Joseph Smith. But this um, this alliance goes deep with Native Americans with Lamanites. It was it was all about alliances. Joseph Smith's. Um, was big into alliances. I, I think that that's why he became a Mason because that brotherhood, he, he needed somebody to help back him up. Mm -hmm. Obviously he betrayed them, mm -hmm. but it was about alliances. And he just says alliances, mm -hmm. um, matrimony, matrimonial alliances. So uh, it's just like um, in, in Europe where kings and queens, where royalty would marry other royalty and they would bring, and so it would, it would make nations become greater and bigger and, and stronger. And that's, I, I believe that's what Joseph Smith was doing. And he, and he also, I mean, he needed friends and he needed places to go. Um, and the frontier, you know, was where the natives were. And just, mm -hmm. just to help him along and to, um, to build his, his kingdom, really. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, Brigham Young, um, William Hall said that Brigham Young made a speech about intermarriage. Um, he says, we are now going to the Lamanites to whom we intend to be messengers of instruction. We will have intermarriages with them, they marrying our young women, we taking their young squaws to, squaws to wife. By these means, it's the will of the Lord that the curse of their color shall be removed, and they restored to their pristine beauty. 
Yeah, that's awesome, huh? Pristine beauty. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> we just read in Alma where they are told not to intermarry, not to uh -huh. mingle their seed, and here they're told, do it. Yeah, and to, so they can be restored to their pristine beauty, nonetheless. I mean, it's all about appearances. It's all, that's what all this is. Skin is appearances. Pristine beauty, you're not, you can't be beautiful if you're not white and delightsome. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these things, it's all done for, for outward things, for, for worldly things, but never is it done so that they can be saved. If you look at all this stuff, it's never to be saved. It's all just outward things. I mean, if you were to save someone, you would save them by teaching them that Jesus Christ is your Savior mm -hmm. and what Jesus Christ has done. It has nothing to do with skin color. Exactly. It never had exactly. anything to do with skin color. Why, why do you bring these external things in, into it at all? That's exactly right. And I, I think I mentioned this on the last show. I'm going to say it again for any new viewers. In the throne room of heaven in Revelation chapter 5, we see that before the throne of God in heaven, people who have been saved are people from every tribe, every color, every language, every people group on the planet are, have been saved before God. So the blacks, the whites, the pinks, the polka dots, everybody is loved by God equally. He doesn't love anyone special more than anyone else. And that's the, the beauty of our God. One of the beauties mm -hmm. of our God is that he doesn't show prejudice. Oh, he, he doesn't. And uh, people just need to read, read the Bible for what it really is. Read the New Testament and the Old Testament. I think when people, people would get lost and would tend to start thinking like this if they read the Old Testament and they didn't understand the context of the Old Testament. But. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Brigham Young taught, well, more than Brigham Young, but many of them taught that the Lamanites would become a white and delightsome peace people, and then they thought that intermarrying with the, the Indians, with the Native Americans, would help that along. And now the Book of Mormon, um, in Second Nephi 30, verse 6, uh, it says that their scales of darkness shall begin to fall from their eyes, and many generations shall not pass away among them, save they be a pure and delightsome people. I have a 1954 Book of yeah. Mormon, and that verse says that they would become a white and delightsome people, which is a change that, that has been made in the Book of Mormon from the original edition. It said white and delightsome, mm -hmm. and now it says pure and delightsome. Well, very quickly, I would like to get into um, George P. Lee. Okay. He was the first Native American that was appointed to the quorum of the 70. Is that right. correct? Right. What happened with him? What happened with him? Uh, well, uh, let me let me kind of give you, let me kind of preface this. When I was growing up, um, uh, as a as a child, I remember that my one of my older sisters um, came up. I, I don't know. She came up to me or my parents and, and told told me that I I was going to be a general authority someday, um, just because. She, she, I, she adored me, I, I think. And uh, she looked at me and she thought I was going to be a general authority. And so when I found out about this uh, George P. Lay being a general authority, um, I was pretty excited. I mean, I was pretty excited for him. Mm -hmm. And I was also, in, in, in my mind, I was thinking, yeah, maybe I can be uh, a general authority. So George uh, P. Lee was, at, was, was a product of the Indian Student pl Placement Program which um, LDS people, Mormons, would think of as, an, as a success. Um, and if I was them too, I would think of it as a, as a success because they did. They converted a lot of, a lot of Native Americans. And um, per, it, 
it perpetuated, um, you know, in families, and their children became Mormons, and their children became Mormons. Mm -hmm. um, this, when that happened, one of the criteria was that they had to be baptized before um, they got taken from their reservation or their, their homes, and they got taken into uh, Mormon families, and they were raised up during the school year, so they could go to school and be raised up by a Mormon family to kind of help them, teach them, um, uh, just skills. They're trying to make them better people, really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Give them better opportunities. Yeah. And so, so um, George P. Lee, he was. Let me look at. Let me look at my notes here. I don't want to get this stuff wrong. So, <laughs> um, obviously, he was Navajo, uh, and he was. Uh, he went to BYU. He got a uh, doctorate degree. Uh, he's the first Native uh, there to get a doctorate degree. Mm -hmm. uh, he he got called by Spencer Kimball, who to us Lamanites is. Uh, the prophet who we adored because of um, what he did. He was a big Lamanite prophet, really pro-Lamanite um, person. He established a lot of programs to help the Lamanites out. Um, he, he called uh, George Peely um, into, into, to become a 70. He also sealed him and his wife together in the temple. I, there's so many connections that people don't realize that happen in in the lds world They're, it's all about connections mm -hmm. so george peely becomes a 70 he's he's organizing stakes and things and then um what happened was is uh spencer kimball died mm -hmm. the next person in line to become the prophet was ezra taft benson so he comes in ezra taft benson um starts eliminating a lot of programs that spencer kimball uh, had put in, into place and um Elder Lee um, took this very personally because, and which I think I would have also, because uh, in LDS theology, I mean, LDS, I mean, Lamanites have a big place, a mm -hmm. big part. I mean, they're the seed of Jacob. Mm -hmm. they're, the, they're the people who have the primary role um, before the second coming on preparing the, preparing the earth and preparing the way for Jesus to come back uh, with the Gentiles or the people who are adopted into the house of Israel to help them. And so George P. Lee is wondering, well, you're kind of messing things up. How is this prophecy kind of come, kind of come to pass? You know, you're messing up all these programs. It's, they're doing good, but you know, Ezra Taft Benson had his agenda um, as being prophet was wanted to do different things, and he produced a couple letters um, uh, just talking to the twelve apostles. He he wrote them to them, and he and he went in and he talked to them about these things, and, and people ought to read uh, what George P. Lee had said. I mean. Um, so, uh, obviously he's going against the grain, and uh, they just, they found that it would be best just to excommunicate him. Uh, he was excommunicated. Uh, he got everything taken away from him. I mean, this was his job. I mean, just like the you know, general authorities, it's a job. They get paid, and they mm -hmm. have retirement programs and things like that. All that mm -hmm. thing was taken away from him. Mm -hmm. um, later, he was convicted of... Uh, of molesting a 12-year-old girl. That's right. Yeah, he, he pleaded guilty to that. Uh, in October of 1994. And that goes along with this uh, polygamy thing and um, is that he had told the girl, the girl testified that she said that he told me that uh, polygamy... Yeah, we have a quote here from right. the Salt Lake Tribune. So this is from the uh, Tribune. It says, uh, Lee molested her while telling her that polygamy would be brought back to earth and we would be, and we would be asked to live it. Uh, Brother Lee told me he had fallen in love with me and that the Lord said it was okay. And she was only 12 years old. 
And he yeah, it was it one of his daughter's friends. Yeah. And, and again, <clears throat> we have to say at this point that the leadership, the original leadership of the Mormon church engaged in this kind of activity. That's a, the very kind of stuff that Joseph Smith would do. Um, he, the youngest that he molested was 14 years old that I've been able to discover. But what's two years, you know, when you're a, a general authority, uh, Joseph Smith 14, this guy at 12, it's still polygamy. And mm -hmm. it's still something that is condoned um, in the mind spiritually for heaven, the, the way that people live in heaven. Right. And, and really, if you think about it, there's no way um, for any Mormon to say, well, that was wrong. Because there's, no, there's nothing to back them to say that it was wrong. So he's going by his feelings. He's going by his thoughts. He's going by his revelation, mm -hmm. which goes back to the, the, your first quote, you know. Mm -hmm. How do you know where these revelations come from if right. you have nothing to test them against? That's exactly we, right. We, as Christians, test everything against the Bible. Mm -hmm. Mormons, they have so much, th so much to test against. And there's so many contradictions, exactly. which have them, and so they come up with progressive revelation, which nullifies this and, and makes this yeah, valid, that, but is contradictory. God isn't it, contradictory. It's so detrimental to have progressive revelation. Oh, yes. So detrimental, because it just is. It doesn't make sense. Examine it. God it doesn't, doesn't make change. sense. God Let's just, change. you stick with the one, you stick with the, the rock and the base, and you don't keep on just changing agendas. You don't, you don't do that. Mm-hmm. That's right. God doesn't do that. Uh, well, we're, we are to the point of where we need to um, open up the telephone lines. Our telephone number is 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. Give us a call if you have a comment or a question that you would like to ask either one of us and join in our conversation here. And as we're waiting for the calls to come in, we'd love to hear from you. We have our ministry message to share with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. You are welcome to join us in our monthly support group, Life After Polygamy, where you can meet others like yourself who are searching for answers about polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism. We meet monthly in the Salt Lake City area. For more details about time and place, call us toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we've made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? 
While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show, Polygamy, What Love Is This? I am your host, Doris Hansen, and our guest, special guest tonight is former Lamanite uh, Carl Moore. He's been sharing some of the things he's learned about, the truth about uh, Native Americans and Lamanites after he left the LDS Church and joined the Church of Jesus Christ uh, for real. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, when, when you were part of the um, church, you did a lot of witnessing about and trying to bring people into the church uh, by by telling them st your stories and your your testimony. Right. But you have a statement of repentance that you want to say right now, don't you? Oh yeah. Uh -huh. I I mean that's the whole reason why I called. The first time I called you was I just feel so terrible about what I had done before. What what atrocious things I had said um, before when I when I used to dance. Um, but I I don't know. I mean I just I would love to apologize. I, just to anybody who I danced for, if I danced for your kids, if I danced at your Cub Scout program, I have no idea. But if you're watching, I apologize for teaching you um, wrong things. I mean, it was all false. Uh, I taught that uh, Heavenly Father was our father, like our real father, that he, him and, and his wife made us um, physically. Um, and I taught that we had a mother in heaven. I, I, I taught people, I told people never to lose their testimony. I was so so adamant that people didn't lose their testimony. Um, in my case, I'm so happy and so thankful that God helped me lose my testimony, that God destroyed that testimony. That's, it's so awesome. But uh, I don't apologize. To, I'm, I'm good with God with this. Um, but if I just apologize to anybody who I've danced for um, that I was just teaching wrong things. I... At the time, you didn't know they were wrong. Oh, I, I didn't. But now I, you do know. And, and here, I believed wholeheartedly in what I, what I was saying. I believed it. I had a testimony, a strong testimony of everything that I had said. Um, but this is where the miracle of God and His mercy and His, His truth just came through to me, that all that has been ripped out of me. Um, and it's, it's awesome. Now, my, my prayer is... For anybody watching this to examine what you believe, no matter what, it's, you, even if you're a Christian, examine what you believe. Um, it can be tested. It can, it can mm -hmm. all be tested, and you can know the truth. If you really want to know the truth, you can know the truth. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, the truth sometimes makes you lose friends, makes you lose family members. You have to be willing to give everything up for the truth, for the truth and for God. Yes. But it's absolutely worth it. God is worth anything and everything your salvation your your eternal life with god is worth way more than anything that can be done here on earth 
I mean, what you, what you receive here on earth, the things you do here on earth, you get your rewards on earth. But when you give yourself up to God and you give yourself up to, yeah, you know, Jesus, I mean, salvation is yours. Mm -hmm. Not salvation, repentance, salvation. I mean, yeah. not, not salvation. Yeah, um, eternal life forever, ever eternal and celestial glory. Right, not, not salvation in, in the way that Mormons think of salvation as being uh, 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 born again. Uh, but salvation, living with God right, forever. Right, living with God forever. And, and there's nothing that can help you get there. Polygamy doesn't help you get to heaven. Um, celestial marriage, no forever family, none of that has anything to do with God's message of how we receive eternal life. Right, and that celestial marriage will keep you out of, that celestial marriage will keep you out of heaven. Because if you believe that you have to go to the temple then you don't know the real God. Right. You don't know the real Christ. Because if you do that, you're saying, I have to do something for God to accept me. Mm -hmm. God says he, he doesn't need anything but your faith and your trust. And when you do anything, baptism, you, if you have to be baptized, you're doing something. If you have to go to the temple, you're doing something. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says it's a free gift, absolutely a free gift. Well, we have a couple of calls. Thanks for your statement of repentance. That's, uh, that's awesome. And, you know, when there's true repentance, God gives true forgiveness, and He washes us clean. We have a couple of calls here. Brian is calling from Bountiful. Hello, Brian. Hello. Um, I, I, was, I saw a program, a science program, and they showed to the women's blood that all go back to one mother, that we go back to one mother. And I was just wondering, what do you think? Do you think at the Tower of Babel, where God changed the, the languages, that he could have changed, like, Asian people and different people to so that they wouldn't quit building that tower to, the, to heaven to try to get to heaven? Do you, or do you think that it started right from the very beginning to our first mother and father? The Tower, of Babe, the, the Tower of Babel had nothing to do with skin color. It had everything to do with language and false religion, <laughs> of course. But the, 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 the testing that you're talking about, I read an article about the same thing, and it goes back to one mother for all humanity. Uh, of course, that agrees with the Bible, which right. tells My, us mitochondrial, Eve. mitochondrial Eve. Mm -hmm. Right, and yeah. we, we agree with that. Mm -hmm. I have no idea where color comes into this. I don't know if anybody would ever... Well, the color comes into it when, when uh, the, 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 the Tower of Babel, the languages were changed, and so people would migrate and, and set up their own units in, in different areas of the geography where they raised their, their families according to their languages. And then, of course, whatever the, the, the uh, genetics were for the, the prominent, the, the, the genetic, um, I can't think of the word right now, um, the dominant genetic mm -hmm. gene at that point would come out. And that's where the languages came, or the uh, races came from. So all of them would go over here, and, and the dominant gene came out, and they became Scandinavian, or they became African, or they became... Um, <laughs> I'm a white guy, but I've always had a preference for brown skin. I, I think brown skin's Well, Jesus was beautiful. brown. Have no doubt about it. <laughs> okay, thanks for your call, Brian. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. Okay, Holly is calling from Centerville. Hello, Holly. 
Hi, hello. You're on the air. What's your question? Yeah, my question, it's really just a simple one. I was just curious if the LDS and the FLDS both study the same. Is the Book of Mormon the same? Yes. They buy, the, the polygamy groups buy their Mormon scriptures uh, just like the Mormon people buy their Mormon scriptures. Right. And they study okay. the same exact scriptures. Okay. Yeah, I've always just wondered that because my parents, well, anyway, I won't go into that, but okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for answering my question. I appreciate it, Doris. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. I read an article a few years ago uh, that was written by a Mormon missionary. And he had said that when he was on his mission, I guess he was in the Intermountain West here somewhere, he, he would go to polygamist homes and he was trying to convert them into Mormonism. And he said he was shocked when he would go into these polygamist homes and pull out his Book of Mormon and they knew more about the Mormon scriptures than he did. He says, I had no idea they used our scriptures. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, in, in my line of work, I, I work with a, a lot of polygamous people, made a lot of good friends with polygamists. And yeah, they go to the distribution center. They mm -hmm. buy the same books. They use some of the same curriculum. Um, uh, you go to one of their churches, it's the same church, same picture of Joseph Smith yeah. on the wall. It's the same you know, Joseph Smith. <laughs> same thing. You listen to their prayers. It's the same prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the structure of the prayer that they say. It's the same thing. I mean, there's... there's there's really not that much difference between them other than the fundamentalists are the real Mormons they're the and they're, Mormons. they're they they know what's going on and they stick to uh, what Joseph Smith and exactly. Brigham Young said. They're the orthodox whereas, genuine Mormons. Right. Whereas Mormons now, I mean it's it, it they're they are they're apostate they are group. The they're apostates. apostate group. You know, and uh, the polygamist group. they don't group, even know it. That's what's so sad is they don't even know that they are the apostates. No, well they don't know half of the things what their doctrine says. I mean, you would think you would want to know your base. Mm -hmm. they ha so many people now have no base. They have no roots. Their roots are so shallow. They don't even know. They, just believe they don't in know the, their doctrine. They just believe in the living prophet, but let's not go back into the past yeah. and dig up anything in the sure, past. Sure, they've gotten so far off track that, that most of them believe in universalism, too. So yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Uh, you know, we have a revelation here. We don't have any calls right now, so while we're waiting for these calls to come in, um, uh, there's a revelation that was received west of Jackson County, Missouri in July of 1831 where Joseph Smith said, God said, it is my will that in time you should take unto you wives of the Lamanites and Nephites that their posterity may become white and just for even now their females are more virtuous than the Gentiles. Now this is not folklore, folks. This is history. This is history of the Mormon church and this was spoken by Joseph Smith, the inventor of Mormonism. There was a lady uh, who wrote a couple of books, and her name was Fanny Stenhouse, and she wrote a book uh, in 1873. And I want to quote some of what she said from that book. And, uh, and the quote is, Before any of the married brethren could make love to a maiden with the view of making her a second, third, or tenth wife, he was expected to go and obtain Brigham's permission. When Brigham and Heber visited the missionaries to see how they were succeeding, Heber, in his quaint way, told them that he did not see how the modern predictions could well be fulfilled about the Indians becoming a white and delightsome people without extending polygamy to the natives. Heber was very practical and believed that the people should never ask the Lord to do for them what they could do themselves. 
And as all Israel, by the way, Israel means the Mormons, had long prayed that the Indians might speedily become a white and delightsome people, he thought it was the duty of the missionaries to assist the Lord in fulfilling his promises. This was not the first time that a Mormon prophet attempted to aid in bringing to pass the prophecies of the Lord. More than one missionary appears to have thoroughly understood him. And this is from the Rocky Mountain Saints, pages of 50, 657 through 59. So this here shows exactly what their plans were. Bring polygamy to the natives get, so that their children... Well, that's not going to fulfill prophecy uh, to have children if their good deeds is what makes their skin dark or white. That's genetics. Yeah, and uh, genetics, I mean, going back to Brigham Young... Who, who wants to mess with genetics and wants to mess with genes and have people change their genes. Uh, that shit, it, it's crazy stuff. The, let me make, can I make a comment about, Please there's do. so much, Absolutely. so much in this. Again, if you just examine what, what's being said here, um, first of all, they needed Brigham Young's permission to do this. Have, you know, this yeah. is where, this is where all the hierarchies of priesthoods come into play. Mm -hmm. You know, permission, uh, even today, you know, I, a lot of the groups need permission from the prophet. The, you do. You In the polygamy groups, you've got to have that leadership permission. You, you get this revelation and then you go and get it uh, seconded, I guess, or, uh, you know, by the prophet. Um, I, I find it interesting how people always, yeah, try to take things into their own hands, where we know that whenever people try and take things into their own hands, it's disastrous, and it, it goes up. against what God wants. And That's one, what happened with Abraham and Sarah and right. Hagar. Right. A Abram and Sar Sarai, that, that's what they did. They tried taking it in their own hands and God. messed it all up. And yeah, yeah and Hagar gets uh, sent out into the desert, you know. Yeah. It, it, she was the victim on that one. It, it, was, it was terrible. You know, there, there's a saying that um, God helps those who help themselves. And that kind of goes along with this. I, I hate that saying. That's not in the Bible, That's is it? That's so bad. I remember bad. looking for it in the Bible when I first started studying it. I couldn't find it anywhere. God, <laughs> God helps there. those who, you know, who give up. I mean, salvation is for the people who give up and yeah, have trust I, in he Him. He won't help us if we don't need His help. If we can help ourselves, why do we need God? Right. That's what works is you're yeah, trying to exactly. help yourself. You're trying to do something and you have faith in yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't have faith in something else. Right, right. And, and um, there's, there's some people who say that Brigham Young himself, although he advocated taking Native Americans as plural wives, he himself didn't. Some people say that he did, some say he didn't. There was a, wo a woman by the name of uh, Sally Young and some historians believe that Brigham Young took her as a wife Others say that she was an adopted Native American child of Brigham Young's. Could have been and, both, actually. And, Joe Smith did it. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. You know, he, he had an adopted daughter, and he did stuff and with he, her. And he, so. he did. He did it with and with her mother. So yeah. it's, it's hard to say. But at any rate, um, he, he claimed that he did not want to take the Lamanites into his arms until they turned white. Yeah, until the course. curse was lifted, right. which... You know, he's saying that we need to do this to get the curse lifted, yet, yet I'm not going to touch these yet people. Yet he was unwilling to do yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to touch them until the curse is lifted. Interesting, these things. Okay. How shallow is that? We have uh, line three. We have Jeff calling. Hello, Jeff. Jeff. Oh, um, I had a question. Um, he mentioned the pictures of uh, Joseph Smith on people's walls inside of their house, and I've been inside some Mormon houses and seen the different pictures they display. Um, 
Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can hear you fine. My question is, is my wife and I aren't from here. We looked on the Internet to try to find photos of Joseph Smith. And from what we could gather, there is no true photos of him. Um, they think that there's one, if I understood what we looked up correctly, but they're not even sure. And they depict him as um, a striking, handsome man with kind of blondish hair, maybe blue eyes. Is it true that they don't even know what he looks like? And is it true that there's no true photos when they put photos and they also have statues of him? Um, is that true that there are no true photos of Joseph Smith? There's a mask that they made of Joseph Smith after he died, so they know exactly what he looked like. Uh, as far as photos go, I don't know. That yeah, I think they've all been dis disproven. Artist renditions. And, uh, maybe if Mark Kaufman was around, he could provide you with something. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. And they show him with blonde hair and blue eyes. Well, that's, that's probably, a, it could be a description. And, of course, they're probably doctoring him up. But it's, so his, his facial features are accurate, but um, you don't really truly know what he actually looked like. Well, the mask that they made of him after he died shows what he looked like. Yeah, facial, I've seen a picture of the mask. The, the color, I mean, here's... bone structure, though. Well, you know, the blonde hair and blue eyes yeah. is merely the, the, the prejudice stuff coming out, you know, in their thinking. I, I think that this guy was really good looking, which actually contradicts what I think Jesus looked like, because Jesus was an everyday man and you would not even pick him out. Right. I mean, he wasn't a comely looking person. Uh, Joseph Smith was a good looking guy and he was charismatic. That's how he mm -hmm. got all of his followers. That's, I mean, 34, 33 plus wives. I mean, this guy was charismatic, good-looking, and that's what happens when you get good-looking people. Like, I mean, look at our presidential candidates. Look at the president. I mean, they're good-looking people. I mean, people follow good-looking people, unfortunately, good-looking tall people. So I'm out of it, white people. And, uh, but, uh, anyways. That, that depends on who, who we're talking to. Well, I was just curious because I go into different Mormons' houses and I'll see the pictures displayed, and then, of course, you'll see you know, uh, throughout town, different photos of him that are, and they're different. Not all are the same either. Well, so I just find it curious that they hang him up and they, they depict him as this kind of this handsome, lily white person when I'm, I guess I'm not sure that they really know what he truly looked like. But No, but you can see the attitude of a Mormon by them just having a picture of Joseph Smith up in their house mm -hmm. or a temple in their house, which they adore. Mm -hmm. That Everyone has to have the picture of the temple, maybe pro preferably the temple that they got sealed in because that's their favorite temple. Yeah. And then their kids can look to that temple and they can walk by that temple and they say, I want to be married in that right. temple someday. And that this becomes, is where the ingraining comes in. You want to go to that idol. temple. That's yeah. a beautiful temple. And Joseph Smith, the, the, present, the present prophet, those are all people that you see on people's walls. And, yeah. and that's the people that they revere. And pictures of Jesus Christ. Um, but you never will see a cross. And I mean, the cross is way more... Uh, a symbol than any of that stuff. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the cross is where your okay. sins are. Mm -hmm. The cross is salvation. The, the temple is not salvation. The temple is damnation. Okay, thank you, Jeff, for calling. We appreciate your call. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. And now it's time to, um, to wind down the show. Thanks again, Carl, for coming. We do appreciate you so much. Uh -huh. and we love to listen to you. And we'd just like to close by saying again, there is no favoritism with God. And the message and the nonsense in the Book of Mormon uh, about the Lamanites having dark skin because of a curse and the goofy possibility of them becoming white and delights them if they become righteous is nothing but malarkey. And it's the same is true with the blacks uh, that's mentioned in the Book of 
of Abraham. You know what? If God cursed everyone because of their wicked deeds, every single one of us, every last man and woman would be crusty black because we all have sinned. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 tells us that there is no one who does good, not even one of us does good. And Jesus said, only God is good. Anyone who thinks that they're better than someone else because of their sins are different is merely basking in self-righteousness. God's perfections for uh, uh, standard for holiness is himself. Only he is perfect and we all far sh fall short of his perfections. And when sinners start thinking they're better than other sinners, they merely prove that they don't know anything of the hatred that God has for all sin. The Book of Mormon cannot have been a revelation from God. Maybe it was from Joseph Smith. Maybe it was from the devil, but it wasn't from God because God does not show any favoritism at all. God's special gift of eternal life will be given to those who will bow their heart and who will bow their knees in repentance at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ and who will pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And we know that we all sin, so we all can pray that. We pray that all sinners who are watching the show will do that very thing and that God's grace will then be poured out upon them and His blood will cleanse you from all your sin. Thanks for watching. We appreciate you watching the show tonight and good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.